Hello and welcome to the On The Knob Pod in association with datagold.com. I'm your host, Will Rooney, as an, and as ever, I am joined by tipsters, Anthony Kelly and Henry Gibbs. I'm delighted to say we have another very special guest with us. A couple of weeks ago, we had the excellent inside knowledge of Alice Plunkett. That was followed up by the, the astuteness of Sky Sports Racing's Tim Carroll. And now we have one of the most recognisable faces in racing. It's no other than ITV Racing's Ollie Bell. Ollie, thanks very much for coming on with us. No worries at all. Thanks very much for asking me. Um, delighted to be on and looking forward to chatting about the racing ahead. I said to uh, Alice Santa Tim, it's uh, two uh, big names coming on to speak to a couple of scallies from Liverpool. So a third one, we can't be doing too bad in our infancy, can we? It's, um, it's great. And the podcast's terrific. So um, like I say, it's, um, it's, uh, it's very touching that you asked me to be involved and yeah. looking forward to hearing what, what you've got up your sleeve for this weekend because I need all the help I can get this weekend. <laughs> well, <laughs> weekend of racing. Well, to hear what you've got for us. Well, first of all, Ollie, we'll just talk a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you know, you are one of the most recognisable faces in ITV or on ITV racing. You're the host. You have been for, what, three years now. Just talk to us a little bit about how you got into the sport and how you got into broadcasting because you're on Racing UK from when you were about 18 or something, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was... Um... I was, you know, obviously always semi-interested in, well, very interested in racing from a young age. Um, my uncle's a trainer and dad obviously does a bit of broadcasting, but I actually grew up with my mum in Somerset. So it was kind of, it wasn't like I grew up with horses in my garden or anything like that. I sort of grew up with it afar in a way, but with an interest through the sort of name, if you like. And um, and so I always, always had a real passion for it. And... Um, and it was something that when I realised I was sort of rubbish at history, rubbish at science and all these things, I thought, well, maybe I'll try and make something out of it. So when I was about 15, 16, we had a school radio station at school that I was at, which was really fortunate. And I sort of had a crack at that and then did work experience at some non-racing events, touring cars, uh, a thing called the Land Rover G4 Challenge, just basically took advantage of any opportunity that I could just to sort of make teas, just get in the mix of media and a sporting event and things like that and that sort of meant that by the time I left school when I was 18 I had a relatively large CV for someone my age without having any real qualifications so I sent off a load of CVs to try and get full-time work to save me going to university and doing a course I had no interest in doing and uh, very lucky to be offered a job by Racing UK um, initially working behind the scenes and sort of worked my way up through the ranks to eventually um, being a presenter but I went to Australia for three years and that's when I sort of got my first big break as a presenter I guess and then came back and, and the rest as they say is history. What was that like when you got the call up to be on ITV racing as one of the main hosts? Yeah it was it was mega I mean I remember watching the morning line when I was a kid you know I'd get up every Saturday morning I'd probably illegally do the monkey business game that they set up my mum's phone bill was always pretty high at the end of the month because I entered into that and then um, <laughs> And it was something that actually without, I don't, I hate anyone to think I'm arrogant in any way. That's something that I sort of really wouldn't like to come across as, but um, I was very proud when I did the first show of the opening show. Um, because as I say, that program was iconic for me growing up. It's sort of an everlasting memory of my childhood, the morning line, and to be taking on the mantle of that sort of platform of show onto ITV it was one of those moments where you sort of sit back and you go, yeah, you know, it's, you're, you're doing okay, basically. And um, I feel very fortunate to be in this position and um, I'll never take it for granted, really, because it's, um, it's a, a dream job for many people and I'm, I'm very lucky to, to be doing it. 
when you started on the open show, you've obviously been watching the more than live for years. Was it a difficult challenge to sort of make sure that the brands was different to the morning line and the ITV were doing something different rather than just copying what Channel 4 were doing and putting your own stamp on things? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think it was important that that we didn't lose... I mean, it's, it's tough, actually, because I, you still want to give punters information. Ultimately, a Saturday morning racing magazine programme, which is essentially the brief of both the morning line and the opening show, you, you don't want to, to dismiss the information that punters need to enjoy a day at the races, race goers, et cetera. But by it changing, it allowed us the opportunity to sort of freshen things up to a certain extent. And, um, you know, we've done that with sort of small things we've brought in the Richard Hoyle's quiz, recently the Ask Us Anything, the £20 challenge and things like that, as well as doing features and, and what have you um, as and when. So. At its core, it's still the same program, but it allowed us the opportunity to still freshen it up and take it into the whatever century we're in now, 21st century, whatever. And um, and that is uh, that is something that we were very conscious of. We we I remember, you know, it's four years ago now that we did our first show, or near enough four years. And um, I remember the meetings in the build-up to it. We had a practice day beforehand, did a practice show, and I remember a lot of us were were pretty nervous about how it would be received because they're such they are they were and still are to a certain extent they're massive boots to fill you know everyone who likes racing knows about the morning line um and and i and i think it was you know it was a regular slot in people's diary on a weekend to watch mm. that so there was responsibility on our shoulders to make sure we got it right and i think the the viewing figures that we're recording for the opening show now um are really positive that they're, they're trending in the right direction and it seems that people are familiar with the show and the strands that we've got and i'd like to think that that people now talk about the opening show like they used to talk about the morning line which would be a a, a great honor if that was the case absolutely and over the four years near enough there have been a lot of highlights i'm sure the biggest one for yourself has been big oranges winning the in the ascot gold cup as you as a presenter was it difficult to try to rein in your emotions, you know, seeing your uncle win it and we've heard your dad's commentary on talks? So was it difficult for yourself or do you just think, you know, what well, I'm human being and I'm presenting, but I've got, to, I've got to go wild here? I don't know why I did it. I get asked about it a lot, obviously, because it's sort of the thing that's synonymous with me during my time at ITV. Mm. But I think I backed Order of St. George as well. So I don't really <laughs> know why I, why I ran down the track. Um, I think what what is good about that and... I've said this as well, and again, it sounds quite sort of arrogant and I don't want it to, but if you took me out, if it was if I was watching that in, in, the, in my living room on a whatever afternoon it was, Wednesday afternoon, and I saw a presenter do that, um, I think it's really good for us as presenters to show that we care and show the emotion that this sport brings out in me, in the people at home who are sort of cheering a horse home in their living rooms because ultimately we are as much racing fans as anyone watching and I think what was retrospectively quite nice about that for me is to show that you know sometimes it it can't not monotonous is the wrong word but you're 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 going to the races every week and you you know you're, you're covering it for ITV and some races are enthralling and some races won't set the world alight but for me it reminded me of everything that I love horse racing for uh, and it took me back to memories of my grandparents owning horses and me watching the races with them in their armchair and just that sort of very um, sort of childlike 
um, enthusiasm for the sport, I think, was borne out in an adult who ultimately should have been doing his job and acted like a buffoon. But, um, but yeah, I, I'd do it again, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat because that's what the sport does to us, and that's why we love it. Yeah, I think that we talk about the two Alice Plunkers about it. I mean, that's the thing about ATV racing. It builds races up and you get to know the backgrounds of horses and the people who look after the horses. And that's, I think, what you've nailed, really. It's the, it's the personal side, I think, is what people can resonate to. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I think what racing offers in a sporting context is obviously great sport on the track, but there are, of an afternoon when we broadcast, we'll be on from, say, one thirty to 4 um, that's two and a half hours of airtime and ultimately in terms of actual sporting action probably in a jump season say 20-25 minutes right maximum so you have two hours to not fill but, but you know to cover and the sport allows us the opportunity to to meet the, the grooms and the, the lads and lasses and the assistant trainers and the owners with great stories and the jockeys who have you know, on the road to redemption or recovery or whatever it may be. And then you, you, as in all of us, can relate to mm. um, to that person. It makes watching that race, I think it makes watching that race for the neutral far more enjoyable and interesting than if it was just horses running around a field because you can relate to the person that looks after that horse and that that person can in turn detail just how much that horse means to that person. And that enthusiasm and enthusiasm and love for the animal comes through, and I think, um, and I think that's wonderful. And I think I'm really glad and 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 pleased that you say that, and that is coming across because that you know going back to the conversations we had before we started, that was a very very big message for us because that is at the heartbeat of this sport. That is a very you know large beat of it. I still feel strange. Obviously, punters have been on track for what coming up to eight, eight, nine months now. So it still feels strange, the early tracks and seeing these horses coming in and seeing empty parade rings, et cetera. What's it like as a presenter? Yeah, it's really, it's really weird. I, I did the Cheltenham, Ed was away for the first Cheltenham meeting back when we launched the jump season. So I did the afternoon coverage for that and um, and Frodon and Briny one. And that was, you know, you could imagine the noise that would have sort of, that would have erupted around Cheltenham and beyond probably had there been a full capacity crowd. And that was the time when I realised, I mean, I'd realised before, but that was a real moment where I thought this place would be rocking if there was a crowd. And it was a, you know, Cheltenham and, and the various different courses up and down the country and different organisations, ARC for the St. Ledger, Jockey Club for Cheltenham. They, they've been brilliant. Asker, they've been brilliant in trying to put on as much of a show as possible, but racing is a social event for ev- most people up and down the country. And it's so important as a sport to have people there because they bring an event to life. The horses do as well, but ultimately the horses and the people that are there bring it to life. And not having them there is really, really disappointing. It's obviously a very strange time. I totally understand it um, whilst we are getting through this global pandemic. But when people come back, I don't think I or anyone in the sport will ever take race goers for granted because they, mm. they bring the sport to life. Completely agree. And as you say, now we are into the mists of the 2020-21 jump season. Ollie, first of all, before we get into the, the action this weekend, I'll ask you one horse to follow for the season. A novice chaser might be an established horse, might be a novice hurdler. Who have you got in your tracker that you're keeping a keen eye on? 
Well, there was a horse actually that won this week called Anamoy, 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 I think it is, trained by Harry Whittington. Um, Daryl Jacobs has been riding him. I, I'm sure uh, Gavin Sheehan will get back on um, when he returns from injury. But he's won a hurdle race and a um, and a chase. He won a novice handicap chase the other day. And, and just as a general point, I think following novice handicap chase form will, will be pretty pertinent to do this year because I think they're strong races, those races. Anyway, he won a good race uh, over two and a half, I think. And he was headed and then rallied back after making the running. He looked pretty slick over his fences. He'll improve for it. And he is a, ta- a real talent. He's owned by Andrew Brooks. They did a similar thing, although it's early days in Animal's career, but they sort of took a similar route with Simply the Bets, who cl- climbed through the grades and ended up winning at the festival. And I think in terms of talent, Animal, who beat Pim, I think, as a bumper horse. Uh, mm. I, think he's a, I think he's a proper horse. Um, and he's definitely one to follow, I think, for the season. Get that into your trackers, listeners. We'll move on to, to uh, Ant and Henry. Uh, Ant, we'll come to you first. I know you were very impressed with Soul Royale and the Elite Hurdle at Wing Canton on Saturday. Yeah, yeah well, that's um, definitely my horse to take out of the weekend. One of my old favourites, Soul Royale. Looks um, rejuvenated, to be honest, after the wind off in the summer. Um, come back at Foss last and won the, the Welsh Champion Hurdle comfortably up against Bally Andy and the likes of the Banner King Rebel. It was impressive that day on a seasonal reappearance. Then it obviously went on to win Cosley at Wincanton on Saturday. Um, I know some that Saturdays might say did it beat much on Saturday, like to Diego de Charmel on solo, but Diego de Charmel is quite a solid yardstick. So, yeah, I, I have been impressed with Show Royale. It's, it's the way it's winning its races. It looks like there's plenty more in hand, and it is entered in the um, the slayer on Sunday. So, mm. The turn and chasing for me, it's not what I want to see. I think it could win a could. I think it could run a good race in the Champion Hurdle. Um, it, it goes on good ground. If you get good ground at Cheltenham or on the hills at Ainsley, I think it'll definitely um, run a good race uh, in a Grade One Hurdle this season. And twenty to one for the Champion Hurdle, the minute I think it's a great each way bet. Good stuff. And Henry, who was your eye catcher of the past week? Yeah, well, um, I'm going to go for one that ran a, a local track, Ainsley. I was very impressed with Moses on Saturday. Uh, it actually made a mistake at the very first fence, but from there, from there to the to the line, basically, it didn't do a, put a foot wrong. It, it jumped very well, um, travelled like the best horse in the race, and then Moses is one of them horses. Sometimes you worry about if it's going to go through with his with his winning effort, but. It jumped the last and just powered clear. Um, didn't John Joe O'Neill was on board and he he didn't really have to do much. It just won cosily by eight lengths. And now that it's got its head in front again, it, I'm I'm hoping that it might kick on and win similar type races throughout the season. Superb. Well, we'll go on to the November meeting at Cheltenham uh, that starts on Friday. Three days of fantastic action. Ollie, you must be absolutely relishing getting back to Presbury Park. Yeah, can't wait. That place is incredible. And um, uh, yeah, so the racing this weekend is terrific. And well, I'm sure we'll t- touch on some of it now, but mm. there's some some terrific racing to look forward to and, and some tough puzzles to solve. But that's where I'm relying on you lads to help me out. <laughs> well, one tough puzzle is, and I wouldn't ever force to be saying this, but the cross country is probably yeah. most intriguing afraid, isn't it, on Friday? Uh, Easy Land versus Tyrol uh, go and renew their rivalry after Easyland's hacks up in uh, 
in March at the festival. Tiger Rolls an interesting one, isn't it? Because at the minute, it's the favourite for Grand National. Didn't get a chance in April to to go for a free timer. And Michael O'Leary's comments have been interesting because he said that they're not going to be burdened by the handicap anyway. Um, Ollie, what do you think about Tiger Roll this early stage? About 12-14 to 1 for the National. You won't be back at this stage, would you? But do you think it could even turn up in April? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, whether I'd be backing him now, I don't know. But um, I also might have a horse that I own a very small share in running in the Grand National this year. So I kind of don't want him to win. I'll be the, one of the people that, that doesn't want him to win. But um, uh, look, that horse has done so much for ITV, for National Hunt Racing, for, you know, the Grand National, everything. I think he's an absolute legend what that horse has achieved. It's it's almost unthinkable, really, to think of his career. Forget the Grand Nationals for a minute and just think about him as a Cheltenham Festival horse. It's frightening what he's done, really, <laughs> across different races, different trips, you know, different divisions, what have you. And then he's gone on to win two Grand Nationals. Such a shame about last year. I actually don't think he was quite himself last year. Um, and therefore... I, look, who knows? It's one of those things we'll never know the answer to. But did the fact that the Grand National get called off last year, was that a blessing in disguise for Tiger Roll? Who, we just don't know. But he's had time off. He came back on the flat and ran as you'd expect. And just to see him back in action is going to be phenomenal. He, will, he gets people racing, right? Just to move away very quickly, sorry, because I'm waffling. No, no problem. Racing needs stars, both equine and human. When Frankie Dettori retires, there will be a real gap in the weighing room on the flat for a, for a relatable star. But we have been fortunate enough with Frankel, See the Stars, Enable, to name a few, horses that have been able to grab the public's attention. We may have Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand that take that mantle on. They're doing brilliantly. But on the jumps, you have horses like Tiger Roll that people really, really get to know and love. Hmm. And he will get, you know, an extra 100,000, 200,000 people talking about the racing on Saturday and what have you. So win, lose or draw, Tiger Roll, in my eyes, is a superstar. I don't think he'll win, though, because I think Easy Sland is a very, very good cross-country horse, as he showed last year. Not going to have its own way, is, is it, this time? Tiger Roll normally turns up to Cheltenham, absolutely hacks up. and yeah. Uh, yeah, But it's not going to have its own way with Easy Land, is it? Very impressive in match. Uh, yeah, and look, to be honest with you, the way the way Easy's land won in, in March and has, and has shown his liking for cross-country fences. He's got a proper cross-country horse, Tiger Roll, that he's got to beat. And um, Tiger Roll's target is the Grand National in April. I don't know whether that's Easy's land's target, but um, but yeah, I think Easy's land's a, a serious, serious horse around there. Henry, I believe that you're in the Tiger Roll camp, though, aren't you? Um, in terms of on Friday, I'd, I'd probably favour Tiger Roll just from a price perspective, um, only because I remember Easy's land come over to Cheltenham in December last year, and, and I backed it that day. I think it went off about four to one, and they had my heart in my mouth every jump, it, every fence. It looked like it was going to fall, and don't get me wrong, it was very impressive in March, and I can't wait to see him again. But I just think it hasn't run. It's going to be like two hundred and fifty days since his last run, and if he is a little bit rusty and he's a bit sketchy at the fences. I couldn't, I couldn't back it at odds on. And if Tiger Roll gets good ground, it'll be the first time it, it's got good ground on the cross country for for a while. And 
you're getting like three to one. I wouldn't be surprised if it even drifts a little bit more on the day. And if we can somehow get it out to like four to one, it's in each way better than often, isn't it? Because it does look a two-horse race. And I think the money will come for Easy Slang because it's the new kid on the block. But yeah, um, good ground. And just with them jumping worries over Easy Slang, first time back, I'd, I'd probably favour Tiger Roll on Friday. And to you with the two market leaders or something like Potter's Cross, the Welsh Grand National winner who won the ancient virtual Grand National as well? Yeah, um, no, I obviously agree with what Ali said. Um, Tiger Olds, the superstar of the race and Easy Land's probably going to win. Um, can't get away from it winning by 17 lengths at the festival. I think even if Easy Land has a bad day and, and does jump badly, I think it would, if it gets around, it wins. Uh, simple as that. Might have egg on my face here. I don't think Tiger Hall is going to finish in the top two. Like you said there, um, Potter's Corner for me is a good crack in each way, better than nine to one. Just seems to be getting better with age. Obviously, won the Welsh National. Christian Williams has said they're going down the cross country this season before heading to Aintree. Um, it's getting over the stone from the market principles, and then Jack Tudor's has taken off another five pounds. So, I can't see it being out the top two, Potter's Corner. Yeah, so yeah, the virtual Grand National winner for me each way and easy lands to win. Didn't he win your lad a few quid on the virtual Grand National as well? Potter's Corner, I think he's got red and blue on his, on his colours and he's sort of not an Everton fan or a Liverpool fan yet, so he just went he just went for Potter's Corner to be neutral <laughs> to please his mum and dad and come in. So, yeah, um, he, he, won, he won himself a few quid and got a bit of Lego with his mum. <laughs> That's all we can do that again then in the next year's National. There's also the Ballymore, uh, Nobbers Hurdle, Grade 2 event over two miles and five furlongs, early indicator of what we might see in March. Ollie, would you be looking at that way at, at, at this early stage or would you be sort of just looking at horses that, Show a bit of talent, but they might not be up there, and there's still plenty more to come from other other horses yet. Yeah, it's early days to be thinking that a horse from here will be, especially with the Irish and things to come. But um, does he know did it well at um, for Kim Bailey? Did it well the other day, and, and he's a likable type. But um, in terms of one eye on the future, a horse in this would have to win it really impressively, in my opinion, mm. for it to be a serious contender in March. I think Kim Bailey's striking while the iron's hot. With does he know? And there's a few horses in there, the likes of um, Wild Romance for the Skeletons that have looked good, could take a step forward. But I'd be surprised if we see the we see a Cheltenham novice winner, a Cheltenham Festival novice winner in this race for all that they're good horses. And Wild Romance, for example, that horse beat a horse called um, Born in Boris uh, last time out. One well pulled about five lengths clear of that horse. Uh, that horse got beaten today, for example, at Exeter. Mm. So the four might be open to a bit of question from the horses in behind, but I don't think there are any world beaters in there for all that they're good horses. And you back to, you know, didn't you last time at Cheltenham was a little bit sure for you, 11 to 8 now at the minute? Um, no, I think it was a, I'll be taking the 11 to 8 because I think it's it was a stronger race last time at Cheltenham than what I was going to run in on Friday, to be honest. It's interesting what Ollie said there with Kim Bailey striking while the iron's hot. I read Kim Bailey's blog after does he know one last time at Cheltenham and the indication was he was going to put put the horse away until the new year so I can only assume the horse has come out well from the race of him you know he's running again so soon so yeah I'm with those factors I'm definitely on does he know and the main market rival Grand Mogul it did win by seven lengths in a class four at Chepstow last time 
but it's hard, it's hard to gauge what, what it beat there. The second and third haven't been out since. And it, it, to me, it didn't look like the strongest of contests. I think this is in the bag for does you know, um, probably my napper Friday, to be fair. And Henry, who's your, who'd be your selection at this early stage? Yeah, I think it's between the front two and the market. I, I do respect us, you know. It was he was a nice winner for for the podcast last time out here at Cheltenham, and Kim Bailey's still banging in the winners, so he has to be respected. But I like Graham Mogul here. I was pretty impressed with him at Chepstow last time out. Um, he, like Hans said, he won by seven lengths, travelled strongly, and he's clear. I think Henderson struggled to to keep him fit, and he has been a bit of an inconsistent. Horse, he hasn't had many runs considering he's a six-year-old, but um, I think if he can stay fit, I expect him to have quite a big season. Grand Mogul, whether it, it'll be a strong contender in March, I doubt that, but at the prices, he'd be the one for me in this race. I think um, you can get around seven to two, and I think that's a good bet on Friday. Good stuff. We'll move on to Saturday then, and obviously the highlight of the day and probably the three days of the meeting is the Paddy Power Gold Cup over two miles and four furlongs. Ollie, just 17 runners in it at this stage. It's a surprise that there aren't a few more horses in a big handicap like this. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I think the the 17 have got some real, like, you know, it's a decent 17. I think there's mm. some standout horses in there. Um but yeah, probably you'd expect a race of this nature to have a full field, um, and it's looking like it won't. Um, when you go through the lineup, the Mister Fisher, I think, is a really interesting runner. Good run at the festival, um, where he actually finished in front of Sweet Sonnet. Um, he could be thrown in off his mark. You could probably say the same about a few of the others as you'd expect in this race. Simply the Bets is obviously a horse that loves Cheltenham, one at the festival. I still think there's definitely wiggle room in his mark. Whether there's enough wiggle room in his mark against a horse like Mr. Fisher, we'll find out. Um, Quarto Rico, I think a few people have been starting to tip up at a big price. That horse finished second to top notch on his reappearance last year in the Peterborough Chase, which was a terrific run. And he's got no weight on his back. He subsequently sort of disappointed after that, but he could spring a surprise. And a horse like Slate House, who I think is actually, you know, a very talented horse on his day, he could run well at a big price. But Colin Tizard, he had, he's having a few winners now, but I'm not mm. sure whether on the whole they're flying. Fiddler on the Roof won um, this week and things like that. But I think um, a lot of them are improving for the run, aren't they, Ollie? In yeah, terms of first definitely. Time, just struggling. And that, that would be a slight concern with the Tizard horses as a whole on the weekend, you know, as, as you say, if they're, they're having their first run, they are coming on a lot for it. But the two that most interest me in terms of horses that could take the step from handicap company into graded company pretty easily would be Mr. Fisher and Simply the Bets. And those are the two that I would probably be backing. However, a caveat to that is whether they are value at their current prices. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but they are. Sorry, that's probably one that's of the That's all right, no props. Probably one of the trainers telling me they are valued. <laughs> um, the sorry about that. Yeah, That's whether they're value at those prices, they um, I, I'm not sure, but I do think they're the two most interesting or most talented, I should say. Well, and you normally love getting into the thick of these, getting a, a at least a double price horse, don't you? You you like going through the form and thinking, what can I uh, shrewdly pick out? So give us a nice juicy each way bet here. 
not sure I'll be backing it each way, but I'm, I'm going to go for Al Dancer here. Um, if it wins this, it, it enters the calculations for the Ryanair for me. Um, I think it's a crack. I'm better 8-1. You know, it was obviously running at two mile last season. Um, it's been stepped up to two, ma- two mile five in its last race at Newton Abbey. It did beat um, a highly rated master Tommy Tucker there as well. Um, and had tidal flowing behind. So I, I was impressed with that. It did seem to thrive off the step up and sip and it was improving the further he went that day. Um, I think it could be a class above these, to be honest. Um, a bit more wafer, simply the bets on um, Saturday. So that could be a factor in getting up the, uh, the Cheltenham Hill. Um, another one that I think was going to be simply the bets at Cheltenham back in March was Syrah de Lach. Um, but for a terrible fall at the last, I think I think that was going to win and potentially go clear up the hill. So I know um, <clears throat> Lizzie Kelly is obviously retired, so I think Tom Scudamore will take the ride there. So I'll go for Sinodalach each way at 10s and I'll dance to win at eight. Henry, what's your pick in the race? Um, yeah, well, as much as I, I hate to tip quite a short, see in a race like this, I, I love the Nichols horse that Saints on it. St. Sonnet. Um, he's been the talk of the town for a couple of months now in this race. He, he was available around 14 to 1, and the money continues to just pour in. We all know how well Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden are doing at the moment, and we certainly know what it takes to win a race like this. The horse itself had plenty of experience in France before joining Nichols at the start of 2020. He then went to Catholic. It was pretty poor race. He'd, he'd done all he just won by four lengths. It was nothing spectacular, but Nichols then sent him to the JLT on his next start. And Nichols is normally quite patient with these type of horses, so I thought that was quite eye-catching. Don't get me wrong, it only managed to finish seventh in the JLT, but I think he's only a five-year-old, and I think he can improve again. Um, another winter on his back, and I think he'll prove better than a current handicap mark of one four seven. I think... The market, the market move for it just shows how much connections must fancy it, and I think it'll be another big race Saturday win for for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden here. <clears throat> Brilliant stuff. And uh, any other fancies across the weekend, Ollie, or or is that you? Um, the Triumph Trial, Triumph Trial, yeah, that's correct. Um, Adagio could be a horse with a big, big future. Looked good when he made a winning debut for David Pike. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I think Adagio is of interest. And then on the Sunday, I don't know whether you're going to go into more more detail about the Greatwood and the Schler, but the, the Schler with Rouge Vif, the Kethlon Defi potentially could be very interesting. And I mentioned my horse to follow being Animois. Mm. There's a form line from the horse's Animois win over mm-hmm. hurdles um, when he beat a horse called Prashima. Prashima lines up in the Greatwood. I think that's strong form. Um, and I think Prashim is a talented horse who will be suited by the way the great would unfold. So those are some horses for Sunday. I don't know whether you are talking about them in more depth. I can carry on talking about them. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the, the Schleyer's, an in, uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? For me, it's the it's the race of the weekend because yeah, obviously definitely. you've got Defi Desoy coming in and you've got Rouge Viff, who, was, who set the mark, an early mark, hasn't it? And put the kettle on, kettle on who, uh, who won the Arkle impressively. Talking about Defi Desoy, what, what do you think went wrong with it in the champion chase in March? Because it was well fancied and it just didn't turn up. I actually just, I really don't know with that horse. And I, I always get him wrong, really. Because when I think he's going to get beaten, he wins like a proper, proper superstar. And then when I fancy him, as was the case at Cheltenham, he just, he didn't deliver. And 
I don't know. I mean, Philip Hobbs had pile on that ran well in the Martin Pike that week. Were they all, I mean, Colin Tizard didn't have a great festival. Mm. I can't remember off the top of my head whether Philip had a terrific festival, but um, I think Deffy's a horse that can do that. I think he, he has got the ability to look like the best thing ever. And he's also got the ability to put in an absolute howler. Um, and I, don't, I honestly couldn't tell you the reason why. I don't know whether anything came to light after Cheltenham, whether there was something amiss. On his day, he's brilliant. Um, but when you look at the Schler, Rouge Vif, that win last time out was was proper. And and I remember presenting that day and being completely blown away by that. In terms of the way he was able to just blitz very, very good and progressive handicappers and make them like he spat them out. It was like it was like he was in a different race. And only really good horses can do that against that level of opposition. You have to have mm. something pretty special about you. And I think he might just be underrated this year, even if he wins the Schler. I think for whatever reason, he probably... Deffy's are far more names in light horse than Rouge Vif, for whatever reason. And I'd be very interested to see Rouge Vif this year because I think he's the real deal. Henry, I know you like Deffy de Soy, but can you back it with confidence given that it is capable of running a stinker? Do you think you maybe get a little bit more value for money than you would do with some other horses who have cast iron consistency with the talent that he's got. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I think that's why why I love the horse so much. I think, as Ollie said, it can one week it can look spectacular, then it can run the month after and put an absolute stinker of a performance up. Uh, in terms of Sunday, I'm just having a look there. It's it's not even favourites at the moment now. The money's pouring in for put the kettle on and um, definitely the sure. I worry about Philip Hobbs's his form. I think it's similar to um, Colin Tizard. It looks like a lot of them are needing the run first time out. So he had Sport and John today, mm. and there was no excuses for that today. It jumped well, and it was beaten, turning for the straight. The front two pulled way clear of it, and I'd have to see Deffy put up <coughs> a performance back to his old old, old ability before before putting me, me money on it myself. Um I I did like put the kettle on, but I looked yesterday, it was five to one. I think I was thinking with the weight allowance and obviously it holds Rouge Reef on, on the awful run, but I, I wouldn't be touching it at two to one. I think the value is starting to to sway towards Rouge Reef. Um me and Ant both napped it on its last run at Cheltenham where it was very impressive and it certainly deserves a step up into to this open com well grade two contest here and if if you can get around three to one for that and it's one of them I'd say it's the value I haven't got a strong selection it's probably a race I'll just watch but yeah um, slight preference for Rouge Reef now the price has gone and put the kettle on and Rouge Riff, as Henry said, he tipped it up last time, a 5-1, to one, which just a massive price, wasn't it, went up? I mean, it's as a run, we know it's in, in fine fettle. We know it likes Cheltenham. Is it the value play for you? No, Wilf, I'm, I'm here to be shot at on this one, to be honest. I've got to, I've got to disagree with Ollie and Henry. Um, wow. I think, <laughs> as usual, <laughs> as you... Ollie, if you've listened before, you'll find I always disagree with Henry, so it's not... <laughs> no, no, no. You'll probably be no. rich before it. <laughs> no, um, I think this could be a, a step too far for Rouge Reef. I, I just I can't ignore the Arkle form. 
last season where it got absolutely trounced by um, put the kettle on. I just can't, I can't get that out of my head when when thinking about you know the, when they go head to head at the weekends. Um, just what Ollie touched on before with the you know Hobbs fans and nothing wrong with uh, Deffy after the champion chase. I was looking through a few articles before and he said the horse scope fine. Um, and you know there was they couldn't find anything. Barry Gerrits he just said you know it was he was never travelling. Like we say, Deffy can always throw a bad running, so I'm willing to forgive that. And I don't know whether you agree. Is, is there a possibility that Deffy might have been a bit tired? It had a couple of hard races last season. Obviously, went life and death I mean, with Dune de So, didn't it? In, um, was it, it was beaten by, I mean, you can tell something was wrong, couldn't you? Very early on, first couple of jumps, you just didn't seem to be travelling with the usual enthusiasm. And you probably. Probably again, you'll know your fate early with Deffy first couple of jumps. But I mean, I don't know how it's not favourite given the form it showed last year. The others have got to step up to his level if if he is back on song. But yeah, my main concern is just the Hobbs form with runners first time out. It, I can't really get away from that. Yeah, it, I just think I had a couple. I know it won the Clarence House easily in January, but I think the two runs before that they they took a lot out of Deffy. So. For me, I'm willing to forgive that and Deffy would be my player, 100%. Tough lads. And obviously, we've got the Great Woods Hurdle as well. Ollie, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Do you want to uh, elaborate a little bit more on your play, if that might be all right? Yeah, sure. Um, Prashim is the horse I like. Um, Talented horse on the flat with Tom Daskam, I think, was very good hands. Um, with the skeletons now, that was a good run in second behind a well-treated horse in Anamois, who's gone on, admittedly, over fences last time out to win, win again. And he was put into the race late. He was held up. He's he's quite a keen travelling sort. And I think the way the great wood would unfold, you'd expect them to be going a decent clip. He'll be able to settle and come late. And I can see him running a very, very big race. Shima for Ollie and who do you like in the Great Wood? I'm all over Hunter's call. Um, I think it's a crack and better twelve to one. Um, it returned after two and a half years off in um, the summer to be uh, at Subble. Sorry, one of them class two events over two mile four easily that day. Um, Ollie Murphy was obviously impressed with it enough. It's he sent it over to the Galway Hurdle, obviously back over two miles, and it put in a crack and performance to finish fourth. And he did like a petty mouchoir. Aramon finished ahead of it that day and one other. So I think that's cracking form going going into a handicap like this. Run off a good weight. It's each way better not for me, Hunter's call at twelves. Um also I'm not put off by Bally Andy carrying top weight at all. Um running against handicappers. I mean, we finished a good second in the Welsh Champion Hurdle last time out behind Show Royal, who we've mentioned a lot today. And it, it didn't disgrace itself in the champion early in the year, finishing eighth. If it, it can, if it can put together a run like it did in the champion early, it should win this, to be fair. So I'm going to throw Hunter's call up each way and Bally Andy to win. And Henry, have you got a nice big each way selection for us to get our teeth into, or are you looking at some of the favourites in the market? Uh, somewhere in between, to be honest, well, uh, the two I've landed on first is Tam White. Um, 
Nichols captain again. I'm expecting a big weekend, which we're getting used to. But it won well on his seasonal debut at Chepstow, despite taking a bit of a walk in the market. Uh, that suggested to me that connections were expecting him to to come on for the run. He won by three lengths there, so it was pretty pretty comfortable. Um, he took a keen hold as well. Um, so I think the great well, they're going to go fast from the start, aren't they? So I think fast pace will bring out more improvement. I expect Cobden to sit quietly on him, hold him up, and then he can make his run as he turn into the straight. And with Bally Andy running, it's obviously going to be carrying a lot of weight, 11 stone 12. Town White will have a lovely racing weight of around 10 stone 13, providing Bally Andy does turn up, which I expect it will. The other one is uh, John Joe O'Neill host, Tegarek. Um Won well here at Cheltenham on his last start, which was a few weeks back. Won a race by six lengths there, and it was a further seven lengths back to the third. So it was pretty impressive, albeit it won't be as competitive as this great would. Hurdle, it jumped well throughout before staying on strongly after the last, and I think there could be scope for, for even more improvements. I think that's around 12 to 1, and it'll run off 10 stone 4. Yeah. Claimer as well. Kevin Brogan, he's a, he's one to keep an eye on this season and he's rode the horse the last couple of times and hopefully John Joe gives him a chance on on this one here, which will mean it'll be carrying even less than 10 stone. And I think if you can get around 12 to 1 for that on the day, course and distance winner, I think that's probably been my best bet of the weekend. Brilliant stuff. Well, we'll wrap up the podcast, lads, by getting one selection each to make a nice Trixie or slash Peyton's for listeners. Ollie, who would your best bet of the weekend be? Um, just because you poked the bear, I'm going to go for Rouge <laughs> Biff in the Schlur. <laughs> <laughs> the Arkle run is a good point, but that was it was soft ground. I think Rouge Biff uh, isn't really a soft ground horse. So I'm hoping on better ground, um, he'll be able to turn the table around. I'd, uh, I'd definitely agree with that. I'm on Rouge Fifth myself. Anthony, come to you next. Well, I was going to put up Deffy, but <laughs> if we're going to put it into a, a Trixie, I can't now, can I? <laughs> so I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go for. I go for Hunter's Call. Hunter's Call and Henry. Um, oof, let's have a look. My best bet. I mean, I probably would have put. Tiger again, but that's just being took by my good mate Anthony. So, um, I'll go for Saint Sonnet and on the Saturday get us a nice sweat on overnight before Ollie's and Ants win on Sunday. Brilliant stuff. You'll uh, hopefully you won't be tempted to cash out if people are on it. And just finally, Ollie, obviously much appreciated for coming on the show. So, show our gratitude. We're giving you a ten pounds uh, charity bet for any horse that you want, whether it's this weekend or an anti-post bet. So, feel free to. To name your horse, I will, with a big, big caveat to that he might not run in it, <laughs> but I will put two for gold up in the Labrooks Trophy. Um, I own a very small share in him. He ran a very good race on his comeback over two and a half miles. Obviously, disappointing that top of the game isn't in the race for connections with that horse, but it means that the Labrooks Trophy is probably an easier task now than it would have been. And if he goes to Newbury, over that trip with a run under his belt and the Kim Bailey horses flying, um, I think he could give us a, something to cheer about. So uh, he's a cracking horse. All being well, we might aim, up, aim him up towards a national at the end of the season. But he's so honest. He loves a trip, stamina in abundance. And yeah, fingers crossed he goes well. 
touch towards and what will the charity be for yourself uh, the charity would be who who i will give my 10 pounds to in about 12 <laughs> days time uh ebony horse club in brixton which obviously i'm a patron of and yeah. um did the khadija Mello story around excellent stuff well ollie as ever thanks very much for coming on to show it's uh, much appreciating your insights been second to none uh would you come on again with us in the future yeah, I loved it. Yeah, genuinely, I'm not just saying it. You guys, um, do you know what's great? To see um, you guys with such knowledge and talent at what you do, presenting and punditry and whatever, it's great to, to share an interest in something and see it delivered so well. So thank you very much for asking me to be on and I will come on whenever you want. Brilliant. Thanks I'll, be, I'll be applying for a job on ICV on the back of the <laughs> I don't want you to nick I'll come on again, but please don't nick my job. <laughs> well, brilliant stuff. Well, thanks very much, Ollie. And Henry, thanks very much for joining us once again. You've been listening to the On The Knob pod in association with that's a goal.com. Join us next time.